Let us go now to Ephesians chapter 6 and look only at verse 4. Again, the sermon text for today. Ephesians 6 verse 4, here the apostle says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So far, the reading of God's most holy word, may he add his blessing to the preaching of it this morning. Before we come to the positive command to bring children up in the Lord that is stated here in this passage, we find a negative command to not provoke them to anger. Parents and particularly fathers are warned by the apostle to not provoke their children to anger. Something similar is said in that Colossians passage, which mirrors the text that we are now considering here in Ephesians. Uh, There the apostle says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. To provoke is to stir up, and parents here, and especially fathers, must take care to never stir their children up uh, to anger, uh, the apostle says. Now, it should probably be said that a child might be angry, not because their mother or father has stirred them up, uh, but due to the sinfulness of their own heart. Mothers and fathers are not responsible for this unrighteous kind of anger. In, in fact, they should warn the child against it and discipline them appropriately. As you know, sometimes people are angry for no good reason. Uh, Perhaps they are greedy, perhaps they are selfish, perhaps they are discontent in that moment, and a parent is not wrong to refuse to give in to uh, the angry rants of a toddler, of a teenager, or even of an immature adult. And, And Paul does not say here, appease the anger of your child at all costs. Instead, what he says is, do not provoke your children to anger. Again, to provoke is to stir up. And so how might a parent, and particularly fathers, provoke their children to anger, we ask? The apostle, notice he doesn't say. He simply issues a broad command and then trusts that we will reflect upon this command to identify the specifics. Now, truly, there are many ways for a father to provoke a child to anger. If a father is absent, if he is overly harsh, if he is inconsistent or unfair, a child may be provoked to anger. If a father is overbearing, if he has a critical spirit, is unloving or hypocritical, a child may be provoked to anger. I'm sure uh, this list uh, could grow very long if we were to take the time to develop it. Uh, The child might be too young to express with words what has angered them, but children, even very young children, can perceive when things are right and when they are wrong. And this is because the law of God is written on their heart as image bearers. A child can perceive injustice. A child can identify hypocrisy. A child knows the difference between constructive criticism and a critical spirit. They know the difference between punishment that is fitting and punishment that is reckless and harsh. A child knows when they are being neglected. And this is true even of relatively young children, but it is especially true of older children and of teenagers. And so when Paul says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, he does not mean, fathers, don't ever discipline your children. Don't ever critique or rebuke them. He does not mean, parents, never ask your children to do something that they don't want to do. Uh, Your child might grow angry when you say something like, no ice cream tonight to them. 
They might grow angry when you assign chores, but this is not the fault of the parent, provided that the chores are reasonable chores and that the disposition of the parent is loving when the answer is no. Uh, parents, I think we do need to reflect carefully upon the command of the apostle here, his instructions to parents, that they are very, very brief. Only one sentence here is, is uttered, uh, in fact. And yet he takes the time to warn parents, and especially fathers, against provoking their children to anger. So it must be that the apostle saw this as a common problem uh, with parents. Sometimes they are prone to provoke their children to anger. And, and so I do ask you, parents and, and fathers in particular, do you provoke your children to anger? Do you stir them up by your absence? Do you stir them up by your lack of love and by failing to affirm them? Do you frustrate them with unrealistic expectations or by your hypocrisy? Do you discourage them by being harsh and overly critical? What Paul said to all Christians back in Ephesians 4.29 is to be applied by parents as they relate to their own children uh, there he said to all Christians, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And we as parents need to apply this principle, even in our parenting. And so to state it differently, there is a sense in which parents must honor their children and treat them with respect as they exercise their authority over them. Uh, the fact that parents have authority over their children must not be ignored. Parents, and particularly fathers, must not neglect their responsibility, therefore. But children are to be honored as human beings, for they too bear the image of God. And so notice that this is how Paul addresses husbands who have authority over their wives. They must not be harsh with them, but are to love them as Christ love the church, being ever mindful of the fact that they are one with them and co-heirs in Christ Jesus. And earthly masters are exhorted in the next passage to honor their servants, to stop their threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And so in Christ, those with authority are to honor those who are in submission to them. They are to wield their authority with the heart of a servant. And this applies to parents too. You are your, your authority as parents is, is real authority. You must be faithful to fulfill your God-given responsibility to raise your children, but they are to be honored as they live in subjection to you, for they have God as their maker, just as you do. They too bear his image. And so parents are here to mimic God, the Father, in their parenting. They are to be kind. They are to be consistent. They are to be fair. They are to be just. Parents are to treat their children in the way that they themselves would want to be treated. I'm sure that you would want those who have authority over you to treat you fairly and with respect. And, and, and we are to do the same to our children as we exercise our authority over them. Now, I probably should back up just a moment in the sermon and, and address a question that you might have. You notice that Paul here, when he writes to the Ephesians, he he addresses fathers in particular. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord and the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And some might wonder upon reading this, why does Paul say fathers? Why, why does he say fathers and, and not 
fathers and mothers. Why does he say fathers and not parents? And in fact, it would flow quite naturally for Paul to, to address parents, both fathers and mothers together. Uh, we see that Paul addressed husbands and wives, and he also addressed children and commanded that they obey their parents in the Lord. And there he cited the fifth commandment, which tells us to honor father and mother. And so when he comes to the parent's role and the parent's responsibility, I think we must ask, why does he not say parents, but fathers only? And I think there are a couple of reasons for this. Uh, First of all, I believe that Paul the Apostle is here uh, trying to emphasize, he is emphasizing the, the father's headship within the home. Parents are to not provoke their children to anger. Parents are to bring them up in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. This is true, certainly. Uh, but, but fathers have a particular responsibility to do this as the head of their home. I think that is the thing that Paul is here emphasizing. Also, maybe he is addressing fathers because they are uh, particularly prone to neglect this uh, responsibility. And so he puts the emphasis on them, not to, uh, not, not to ignore the responsibility that mothers also have. And this certainly, Paul the Apostle believed that mothers have the responsibility to be involved in the raising of the children. They too are to not provoke to anger. They too are to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is the clear teaching of Scripture, both in the Old and New Testaments. In fact, if you go back and read the Proverbs, uh, you will notice that, especially in the early chapters, children are exhorted to pay attention to the teachings of their fathers and mothers both. And, of course, uh, this is supported by the immediate context here in, in Ephesians. Now, parents are to be obeyed by their children. Both of them are mothers and fathers together. And so Paul believed this, and yet here he give special attention to fathers. Fathers are uh, the head of the household. They are to see to it that children are not provoked. Uh, They are to see to it that children are brought up in the Lord. It is their particular uh, responsibility. And so Paul does give emphasis uh, to all of that. He issues first this negative command, do not provoke your children to anger. And then after the negative command, we find uh, the positive command. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Greek word that is translated as bring them up carries with it the idea of nourishing something. In fact, the word appears only one other time in the New Testament, and that is in Ephesians 5.29. So Paul uses this word twice in his epistle. And in 529, Paul urges husbands to love their wives on the basis of their one flesh union with them, saying, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So husbands are called by God to nourish and cherish their wives. And as fathers, they are to have this same disposition towards their children. Husbands and fathers are to look upon their wives and children, and they are to see them as precious. They are to be mindful of their responsibility and privilege to nourish them 
They're to see to it that they are protected, that they are provided for, that they are encouraged in the Lord. And brothers, I think it is right for me to press this upon you and to say this is a high calling that we have, both as husbands and as fathers. We are to nourish our wives. We are to nourish our children because we cherish them. Notice that the command to bring them up or to nourish stands in contrast to the command to not provoke them to anger. A father who provokes to anger is is harsh, condescending, lacking in love, negligent. And in contrast to this, fathers are to bring their children up. They are to build them up and not tear them down. And this they are to do, as we will see, through discipline and instruction. The word translated as discipline means to train or to reprove. The Greek term was used frequently in the Greco-Roman world to refer to the education of children in a wide range of subjects and disciplines. So parents, and particularly fathers, are responsible to train their children to live well in this world. Now, granted, a father may delegate some of these things to his wife or to tutors, but he must be engaged. I think that is what Paul is insisting upon here as he addresses fathers in particular. You are to see to it, men, that your children are educated, that they are trained up to live life well in this world. And yes, you might delegate some of these responsibilities, the particulars, to to others, but you must be engaged in this process. You must see to it that your children are taught how to work. You are to see to it that they are taught how to manage money. You are to see to it that they are taught how to tend to the various responsibilities of life. They should be taught how to read and write. They should be taught personal hygiene. Uh, The list would grow very long if we were to take the time to develop it. But the point is that parents are to discipline their children, not out of anger, not punitively because they have been somehow inconvenienced, but they are always to build them up into independent, good, and productive members of society. This should be their goal. This should be their viewpoint always, to to build up their children, to discipline them in, in, in a productive manner. And I think we are to remember that this is always or should be the purpose of, of discipline, not to make the child pay, but to train them up. We are to train them up so that we might in due time send them out to establish households of their own where they will do the same thing for their children. This we must always keep in mind as parents, brothers and sisters. Our objective here is to train them up, to discipline them, to give them the skills that they need to live on their own to the glory of God so that we might send send them away. We know that at one point the child will leave father and mother to establish a household of their own. And this is God's design. So we are to discipline them. We're to train them. We're to reprove them for life in this world. And the word translated as instruction means to teach. And in the scriptures, this word is often used to refer to a religious instruction, instruction concerning God, instruction concerning his ways and a life that is lived according to wisdom. And your parents, and particularly fathers, must be diligent to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, the apostle says. And so I do ask you parents, particularly fathers, how are you doing in this regard? Are you 
disciplining your children so that they have the skills that they need to live a good life in this world? Are you preparing them for adulthood? And more than this, are you preparing them to live for God in this world by instructing them in the Lord? More specifically, I ask you, are you teaching them the gospel? Do they understand it? Are you teaching them to receive with meekness the word of God and to live under submission to it? Are you teaching them about who God is? Are you teaching them about who we are and what our purpose is? Do they know about sin and its consequences? Do they know that God has been gracious to provide a redeemer? Do they know who that redeemer is, Christ Jesus, our Lord? Do they understand what he has done to accomplish our salvation? Do they know how we come to benefit from the salvation that he has earned? Do they know God's law? Do they understand that we have broken it? Do they know what faith is? Do they know what repentance is? Do they understand how it is that God nourishes those who are his? Do they know how to pray? If you are familiar with our catechism, you probably know that what I have done here is I have followed the the flow of thought of our catechism and asking these questions to you. Uh, in our catechism, the Christian faith is indeed presented in a very systematic way. And, and so in short, I am asking you, have you taught them the Christian faith? We must, as fathers and mothers, teach these things to our children. And how should we teach them? How should we go about this task of instructing our children in the Lord? Well, I think one thing that we can do is by including them in the assembly of the church to hear the word of God preached. We need to bring them to church with us so that they might be a part of the assembly, so that they might hear the word of God preached each and every Lord's day. I think it is also important that we instruct them systematically within the home, that we take the time to address these, these core doctrines, these fundamental issues of the faith. Uh, we know that our catechism can be of great use to us. Uh, in doing this. And, and in fact, brothers and sisters, I do know that most of us did not grow up in homes where we were catechized. It is new even to the adults in this church. That is one of the reasons, by the way, that we are going to meet on the Lord's Day evening beginning at the end of August here. And that is one reason I will be preaching catechetically so that I might feed uh, the entire congregation the Word of God in this systematic way, particularly adults and, and parents, and so that parents might in turn take that uh, that instruction, and give it to their children faith, faithfully. We need to be systematic in our instruction. We cannot assume that they will uh, catch it uh, just organically and naturally as we live life in this world. We must be diligent to teach our children these truths about God and who he is and who we are and what he has done for us. But also we are to teach them through casual and spontaneous instruction. And I would make a case for this, that the deliberate and systematic instruction that we provide our children does pave the way for rich and meaningful, casual and spontaneous instruction. Here I am talking about those conversations that are, arise as we go about our day with our children, as we sit around the dinner table, as we, as we have conversations late at night. Uh, the, 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 the systematic instruction, the uh, deliberate instruction that we give them really does give a foundation to enable us to have rich conversations with our children about, about the faith and about life in this world uh, as we go about our days. Perhaps uh, you noticed that the Deuteronomy 6 passage that we read at the start of this sermon 
does seem to encourage instruction that is both structured and systematic and also casual and spontaneous. Uh, concerning the law, God spoke to Israel saying, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And so perhaps you hear there the emphasis upon uh, the, the, the very um, the very deliberate instruction of children concerning God and his law. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So here I I understand this to refer to instruction that is more spontaneous and, and, and natural. Uh, we need to talk of God and the things of God um, constantly with our children as we go about our life in this world. And then furthermore, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of God is to be pervasive in our households. It is to always be put before before our children, so that they might truly grow up in the instruction of the Lord. And lastly, I think we need to teach our children the things of the Lord by way of example. Our children need to see us live out the faith that we profess. And as I have already said, perhaps nothing is more frustrating to a child than hypocrisy. And so we must be sure that we ourselves believe these truths and are living in a way that is consistent. We all stumble in many ways, friends. Even the best of parents are not perfect parents. I think we have all at one time or another provoked our children to anger. And I think one of the most important things for a Christian parent to do is to repent before God and even before their children when they sin. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's a, it's a very humbling thing to do for a father or mother to to repent before God, and then also to say to the children, I've sinned against you in this way. I've wronged you. I provoked you to anger, perhaps. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me for that sin. But I think it is important for us to do this. Fathers, if you are harsh to your child, if you have provoked them to anger because of your critical spirit or your unjust treatment of them, the very best thing that you can do is to not ignore it, but to repent to repent before God and even be willing to ask your children to forgive you for the wrong that was done to them. I've done this many times. Sin is to be avoided at all costs, but it is also inevitable that we do sin. We will stumble in many ways. May the Lord grant us humility so that we might repent truly before God and man. Let me conclude with this very simple but very important observation. In each and every one of these relationships involving authority and submission that Paul here is addressing within the Christian home, something of God's relationship to his people is put on display. I think we must recognize this. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Masters, as we will see, are to honor their servants, being mindful that God is the master of them both. And bond servants are to obey their earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as they would Christ. And so both in our positions of authority and submission, we are to give glory to God, therefore. We are to submit to, to those who have authority over us in this world as to God, as to him, as to the Lord. And we are to lead, being imitators of God. We are to lead in love, in fact. 
And as parents, we must do the very same thing. And I wonder if we are not sometimes careless in this regard. I wonder if sometimes parents don't look at their little children and though they would never say this, and maybe they haven't even thought of it and been conscious about this, this way of thinking. I wonder if they say, well, they're so little, they don't really need to be respected, you see. And I think this is wrong. I think there is a sense in which parents need to show honor to their children as those who have authority over them. Children are to obey and honor their parents, of course. This is their particular responsibility. But as parents, I think it is good for us to look at our children and to to honor them, uh, even as we have authority over them, uh, to know that the way that we treat them matters to God, to know that the way that we treat them is going to have a profound impact upon uh, their their lives. Uh, We are to love them. We are to nurture them. We are to build them up. We are to exercise the authority that we have over them, even with the heart of a servant. We are to recognize that God has given us this position for the good of the child so that we might bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This principle that I'm here bringing before you, that we are to be imitators of God even in the authority that we have in this world has already been expressed by the apostle in this epistle. And I think it is to be applied here in each of these relationships that the apostle is addressing within the Christian home. And so I will read from Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, by way of conclusion, because I think this is the principle that needs to be applied. Therefore, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, help us to do this. Help us to be imitators of you. Father, I pray in particular for parents, and especially fathers, that they would imitate you with the authority that they have over their children, that they would walk in love, that they would give themselves up for their children, that they would be faithful to discipline and to instruct, not to tear down ever, but to build up. Lord, help us as parents to have control over our passions. Help us to put to death the sinful desires that we have. Help us to give in. Help us to not give in, Lord, to that desire that we have for for comfort, Uh, but to be diligent, to always carefully bring our children up in the Lord. Father, we pray that the children of Emmaus would be blessed by their parents. May they be brought up in Christ and come to confess him as Lord and to establish households of their own. We pray also for our land, that you would bless the families and the parents in this land, that they would be faithful to bring their children up also. Father, have mercy upon us. Give us the strength that we need to accomplish this. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.